Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly, and this is an episode of Headlines where we discuss the top headlines that caught my eye this week. I've got four news stories that we're going to talk about today, so let's just dive right in. Our first story this week comes out of Illinois, where a man whose family was on the popular game show Family Feud has been charged with first-degree murder in the home invasion death of his wife, Rebecca, whose body was found after she didn't pick their three kids up from school. 39-year-old Timothy Blyfnick of Quincy, Illinois, was arrested Monday morning and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of home invasion. Rebecca Blyfnick was found dead in her home on February 23rd. She and Timothy had been separated for a while. They got married in 2009, but they had been separated for a few years and were currently going through divorce proceedings. But a judge recently ordered that the records of their divorce be kept under seal. One news outlet reported that the documents that had been sealed showed that Rebecca or a local domestic violence agency working on her behalf had filed a restraining order against Tim and also one against his father. Not long after that, Tim filed one against her as well. Tim was a former college football star at Quincy University, and his family were on the popular TV game show called Family Feud in 2020. He'd been coaching a youth football team. He was actively involved in his community and his church, and a lot of people were familiar with the Blyfnick family, so this came as a huge shock. Tim is currently being held in the Adams County Jail because he does not have enough money to pay his bond. In the meantime, a website was set up to raise money for a scholarship in Rebecca's name. Her sister, Sarah Riley, released a statement saying, quote, Despite the circumstances of her death, she is remembered for the life she cherished, a life of compassion, generosity, faith, and fierce love for her family. She leaves behind three young children and an entire community who loved her more than anything. Becky always envisioned herself working hands-on in the medical profession, so it was no surprise when she chose a career in nursing, her true calling, where she was able to provide care and comfort to people on a daily basis, end quote. In 2020, Rebecca was nominated for the International Daisy Award that honors exceptional care. She also volunteered for an animal rescue group, but her ultimate role and top priority was being a mother to those three boys. Her obituary says, quote, she was the quintessential boy mom, aptly illustrated by building for Halloween Transformers costumes that actually transformed, creating custom first day of school posters each year and jumping all in with fishing and frog hunting and anything sports, end quote. We will continue to update on this story as new details emerge. A 27-year-old man out of Minnesota has been charged with second-degree murder after he confessed to killing an elderly man with a shovel and a moose antler last Wednesday. Levi Axtell had filed a request for an order of protection in 2018 against 77-year-old Lawrence Scully after noticing that Lawrence appeared to be stalking his daughter when she walked home from daycare. He wrote in the protection order or the request for the protection order, quote, he has been there many times stalking children in his van. He is a convicted pedophile and him stalking and attempting to groom my daughter is completely inappropriate and needs to stop, end quote. 
The order of protection was granted, but then dismissed a few weeks later, and I'm not sure why. In 1979, Lawrence was convicted of sexually assaulting a six-year-old girl, and he served time in prison for that. Throughout the years that followed, multiple complaints were filed against Lawrence Scully, but most of the claims were about harassment. Court records also show Scully was committed to a mental institution in 2020, but was later released and prescribed antipsychotic drugs. According to Friday's criminal complaint and a related court document, Shortly after 4.45 p.m., a caller told emergency dispatch he saw someone in a minivan pull into Scully's driveway on East 5th Street and run into the house. The caller immediately heard screaming and then saw the van leave. Moments later, an intoxicated Levi Axtell arrived at the sheriff's office in the van. Covered in blood, he walked into the lobby, dropped to his knees, and put his hands on his head and said that he had murdered Scully with a shovel. He demanded to be handcuffed, saying he was going to hurt someone else otherwise. A sheriff's deputy located Scully in his home, obviously dead from the serious nature of his head wounds. Axtell told law enforcement that he grabbed the shovel off the deck, hit Scully 15 to 20 times, and then finished him off by hitting him with a large moose antler. He said he had known Scully for a long time and, quote, believed him to have sexually offended against children in the past. Levi also said that he had observed Lawrence parked in the vehicle at locations where children were present and believed he would reoffend. At a hearing on Friday, defense lawyer Dennis Shaw, who did not suggest a specific bail amount, reportedly said his client lacked a serious criminal history up to this point and was a minimal flight risk from longtime ties to the local community. County attorney Molly Hicken asked for a $1 million bail, calling this, quote, a brutal attack without provocation on an elderly man, end quote. Given the nature of the charge, that alone presents a flight risk, and so Judge Michael Cuzo said that he would set his bail at $1 million. Lawrence Scully's own niece has come out of the woodwork to allege that he abused her as well as his seven siblings. Levi's next court appearance is on April 10th. If convicted, he could face up to 40 years in prison. His sister, Katrina Axtell, is currently raising funds to help support Levi and his daughter. The website where you can donate to his defense team and his support of his daughter is loveforlevi.us. Another arrest has been made in the murder of Jared Bridegan. We discussed this case a little bit in the very first installment of Mom and Mystery Headlines. Jared was working as a Microsoft executive and had two children with his ex-wife, Shanna Gardner-Fernandez, and another two children with his current wife, Kristen Bridegan. Jared and Shanna had an ugly divorce and subsequent custody battle over their 10-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. Shanna remarried in 2018 to Mario Enrique Fernandez, who owned multiple rental properties. Henry Tenen was a tenant of one of those properties. On the evening of February 16th of 2022, Jared had just dropped off his son and daughter at Shanna's home in Jacksonville Beach. He then stopped to remove a tire that was laying in the middle of the road, and while his two-year-old daughter sat in the back seat, Jared was ambushed and shot multiple times. State attorney Melissa Nelson said that Henry Tenen had been arrested for the crime, but that he did not act alone. And at the time, she did not offer any hint as to who else might be involved. 
Jared's wife, Kristen, told WJXT-TV, quote, it's pretty clear someone knew his routine, his schedule. I have felt since the beginning that this was planned, that this was thought out, and this was specific to Jared. So I'm not surprised that they announced that Henry Tenen, someone that we have never heard of, that Jared did not know, wasn't alone in this, end quote. Jared's brother Adam also told WJXT TV, quote, I won't get into specifics, but I did have several conversations with Jared where he did express concerns that something like this would happen to him. He did have concerns on his life, end quote. It seemed safe to assume that Shanna and or her husband Mario had something to do with his death, especially considering the connection Henry had to Mario being one of his tenants, and it was also re- revealed that Henry did some work for Mario on a few of his properties. Well, yesterday morning, those assumptions were confirmed when Mario was arrested and charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. According to the heavily redacted arrest affidavit, Henry Tenen received three handwritten checks from Mario, and according to their phone records, they spoke on the phone 35 times in February, the month Jared was killed, then 30 times in March, and then it dwindled to five to nine times in May and June. The affidavit states, quote, the totality of evidence establishes that Fernandez Saldana was a principal to Breidigan's murder and that Fernandez Saldana solicited, conspired with, and assisted others involved in Breidigan's murder, end quote. Shanna has since moved her kids out of Florida to Washington amid the media scrutiny that she's been facing. I can't help but wonder if the next arrest will be hers. In last week's headlines episode, we talked about Nathan Millard, who went missing during a business trip to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, only to be found dead, wrapped in plastic, and rolled up into a rug. Police originally said they did not suspect foul play, and his preliminary autopsy results showed no signs of internal or external trauma. I mentioned a video of Nathan Millard walking alongside an unidentified man who did not appear to be the client that he was with on the night that he disappeared. Police now say that the man they sought for questioning in Nathan Millard's disappearance and death used Nathan's debit card at two businesses in the area of South Baton Rouge. Derek Perkins was allegedly recorded by surveillance cameras on Highland Road amid Nathan's disappearance. This claim surfaces after cops said they found Derek Perkins, who they wanted to question about Nathan's disappearance. Officers did not say whether or not they believe he played some sort of role in Nathan's mysterious disappearance or death. They did, however, arrest him for probation violation, criminal damage to property, unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, and three counts of access device fraud. As Nathan As Nathan's missing person case was gaining national attention, Derek Perkins spray-painted the front bumper of a stolen 2004 Toyota Camry, took off the rear bumper sticker, and switched the license plate in an attempt to disguise the vehicle. The vehicle was reported stolen on February 3rd, weeks before Nathan's disappearance. Cops reportedly said the vehicle Perkins was last seen driving had been discovered burned on Monday, and his address is less than a mile from the lot where Nathan's body was found. We will continue to update on this bizarre story as more details emerge. 
And with that, I hope you all have an amazing weekend, a beautiful week. Come back next week. We'll have a brand new story for you and we'll have another episode of Headlines on Friday where Austin will hopefully be joining us that time with a positive news story. Thank you so much for listening. Mama Mystery out. Bye.